A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of suicide, homicide, violence, gore, and cannibalism that some people may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Nordic traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Hadding steered his horse through the dense foliage while songbirds flitted overhead. He hadn't seen hide nor hair of his prey since setting out on the hunt, but he didn't mind. He was enjoying the cool air and the peaceful solitude of the forest. He'd had few such moments to himself since being crowned King of the Danes one year earlier. Sounds like there's a stream up ahead. What do you say, girl? Shall we take a break? They reached the stream, and Hadding dismounted. As his horse bent for a drink, Hadding saw something that made him stop. There before him in the clay dirt of the stream bed was a human footprint as long as Hadding was tall. Hadding's gaze drifted across the stream to the far shore, where the enormous footprints continued into the forest. Sorry to break my promise, girl, but there's no time to rest. Hadding clambered back onto the saddle as quickly as he could, barely able to contain his excitement. The pair flew across the stream and into the forest, following the path of trampled trees that had been left in the giant's wake. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're continuing the adventures of Hadding, the mythological Danish king who rose from his life as a humble farm boy to lead an army and reclaim his throne. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. You can find all previous episodes of Mythology, as well as all of ParCast's other shows, on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to ParCast.com merch for more information. While Hadding was the rightful king of Denmark by blood, his life before taking the throne left him unprepared for ruling. He had spent his childhood as a humble farmhand to a family of unusually friendly giants. When he was old enough, he returned to Denmark and became a warrior, fighting in volunteer armies against the Norwegian forces. 
While he had no real combat training to speak of, his ferocity on the battlefield made him a force to be reckoned with. His notoriety grew with each battle, and he quickly rose through the ranks until he was leading his own army. He had barely come of age when he defeated the Norwegian king Svipdag and ran his forces out of Denmark. It didn't take long for Hadding to learn that conquering kingdoms had little in common with ruling them. Now that he was king, he spent every waking moment surrounded by advisors, courtiers, and vassals, all of whom had endless opinions about how Denmark should be ruled. Hadding soon found himself longing for a return to the simplicity of the battlefield. Your Highness, I carry a message from the Finns. A declaration of war, I hope. A call for aid. The king has heard tales of your youth spent amongst the giants. He believes that if any man can kill one, it's you. And what does this king have against giants? One of the brutes has kidnapped his daughter. The princess wronged Nilda. He begs for your help in retrieving her. Hadding leapt from his throne and called for his men to ready his horse. His advisors begged him not to leave, but the king could not be dissuaded. Here at last was the adventure he had been craving. Once Hadding picked up the giant's trail, he found it easy enough to track, thanks to the destruction it left behind. Unfortunately, it had also scared off all the game. Before long, Hadding was out of food. Oh, was that Thor's thunder or my stomach? Oh, what I wouldn't give for a rabbit right now. Hold on. That one wasn't me. Hadding turned his horse toward the sound of the booming footsteps, which were growing louder by the second. The treetops swayed and parted violently. Something big was barreling through the forest, coming straight toward him. The giant burst from the trees, spotted Hadding, and unleashed a furious roar. The king felt a jolt of adrenaline as he dug his heels in the horse's flank, spurring it forward. The steed ignored him, instead turning away from the charging giant. Hadding cursed and looked up to see an enormous hand reaching for him. He leapt from the saddle an instant before his horse was plucked from the ground and hurled high into the air. Hadding rolled to his feet and swung his axe, slashing the tendons of the giant's calves. The beast swayed perilously for a moment, then lost its balance and pitched forward. Hadding's eyes widened. Its body was going to land right on top of him. He dropped his axe and started to run, but the falling body was simply too large to escape. It crashed down on him with an earth-shaking thud. Princess Rongnilda had watched the entire battle from the giant's camp. Her elation at seeing her kidnapper fall evaporated as she realized he had fallen right on top of the man who had come to save her. When she reached the clearing, she found the giant was already dead, having bled out from the wounds in its ankle. 
It took her a moment to locate Hatting, who was pinned beneath the giant's left shoulder. It took all of her strength, but eventually she was able to lift the shoulder enough to drag the king free. Hadding was bruised and battered beyond recognition, but alive. When Hadding finally regained consciousness, he was greeted with a dull, throbbing numbness that seemed to cover his entire body. A woman's face swam into focus, lit by the glow of the crackling fire. You're beautiful. Are you a Valkyrie? No. You aren't dead yet, but you are very lucky. A little to the right, and that giant would have crushed you completely. <laughs> I got the bastard then. I... Oh, oh. Sir, please do not move. You need to rest. Can't breathe. I think I broke a rib. Yes, all of them. And I can't see out my left eye. Your face is very swollen. Oh, I must look like a beast. You're very ugly. Drink this. Hadding tried to protest, but found it difficult with Rongnilda pouring ale down his throat. When he had drained the skin, he found that the pain had dulled considerably and that he had lost the urge to do anything but sleep. Rongnilda knelt beside him, stroking his hair and humming a strange tune that Hadding didn't recognize. Even with all this pain, Hadding was happy. Giant hunting had been far more enjoyable than being king. When Hadding next woke, it was to bright, clear sunlight pouring in through the open window. A new, far less attractive face hovered over him. Hadding recognized the man as one of his advisors, a man named Gloomare. Your Highness, you're awake at last. Gloomare? Where am I? You're safe, at home in Denmark. How long was I asleep? And how did I get here? And where's Wrong Nilda? Patience, and I will explain everything. It has been three weeks since you departed in pursuit of the giant, twelve days since our search party located you and the princess, and one week since you were brought here to recover. Princess Rongnilda was escorted safely back to her father's home. Then that's where we- oh. Please, your injuries are still severe. Ah, the princess saved my life. I have to thank her. In good time. But you cannot go anywhere until you heal and settle the matters of your own kingdom. What are you talking about? Gloomare explained that while Hadding had been off hunting giants and rescuing princesses, disaster had struck. Thieves had broken into the treasury and made off with the bulk of the kingdom's wealth. This would have been bad news under any circumstances, but the fast approaching winter made the situation especially dire. With no gold or silver to trade for grain, the people of Denmark faced starvation. Hadding was furious. How could you let this happen? Did I not leave you in charge of the treasury? That is true, my king. But with so much of the army out searching for you, our ranks at home were thin. Spare me your excuses, Glumere. The only thing that matters now is finding the thieves. I will assist in any way that I can, my lord. The next morning, Glumere was marched to the newly erected gallows in the town square. Hadding fit the noose around his advisor's neck himself, ignoring the man's pleas for mercy. He nodded to the executioner, 
who kicked the barrel out from beneath Glumare's feet. The rope snapped tight and the crowd erupted into applause, Hadding waited for his advisor to stop kicking before he raised a hand to silence them. Before he allowed our treasury to be robbed, this was one of the best paid men in the kingdom. Whoever returns the stolen gold shall be his successor, and I shall not ask how it came into their possession. Within hours, not one, but 12 men stood before Hadding, all bearing gold that had been taken from the kingdom's treasury. Hadding thanked the men and ordered that they be arrested at once. The men protested, arguing that Hadding had gone back on his word. I promised that I would not ask how you came by the gold, and I have not. I said that you would succeed my advisor, Glumer, and succeed him you shall, straight into the dirt. The twelve thieves were led straight to the gallows and hung. It had taken thirteen lives, but the kingdom's coffers were filled again. Up next, King Hadding sets out to thank Princess Rongnilda for saving his life. Now back to the story. King Hadding's treatment of the treasury thieves may have been brutal, but it allowed the kingdom to trade for grain and livestock. Soon the icy northern winds arrived, and the Danes hunkered down in their longhouses to wait out the long winter. They huddled around their fiery hearths, singing and raising their drinking horns in toast to their king, who had saved them from certain starvation. Hadding spent the winter restricted to his own chambers, waiting for his wounds to heal. When spring arrived at long last, it was accompanied by a messenger from Rongnilda's father. The Finnish king had been so pleased at his daughter's safe return that he had decided to allow her to choose her own husband. Rongnilda insisted that she would only marry the man who had killed her giant. Hadding was overjoyed when he heard and set out from Denmark as soon as he was fit to ride. Tell the princess that her future husband has arrived. And why would I marry a stranger? Rongnilda. It's me, Hadding. You're the fifth man to come here claiming to be the one who killed that giant. How do I know it's really you this time? But don't you recognize me? The man I pulled out from beneath that giant had a face that was blue and purple and swollen like a pumpkin. You look nothing like him. Hadding was stumped. He had forgotten that Rongnilda had only seen him in the immediate aftermath of his battle, when he had been bruised beyond recognition. But there had to be some way for him to prove himself. Stop! What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm beating myself bloody! That's not necessary. How else are you going to recognize me? There is a better way. Remove your trousers. Come again? When I pulled that man from beneath the giant, I knew that he would be the man I married. I also knew I would never recognize him by his face. So while he slept, I placed a gold ring inside a wound on his leg, so that the skin would grow over it as it healed. You put a ring inside my leg? I'll ask only once more, sir. Remove your trousers. Hadding stared at the princess 
taken aback by her boldness. Then he shrugged and began to disrobe. A moment later, the king stood naked before her, a sheepish grin plastered across his face. His smile faded when Rongnilda unsheathed a dagger and stepped toward him. What's that for? Please, my lord, this will only take a moment. Hadding stood still as the princess felt carefully along his inner thigh. He felt a sharp pain. Then Rongnilda smiled and held up the bloody ring. I told you it was me. I should have believed you. Any man foolish enough to beat himself bloody would be the type to face a giant alone. Before Hadding could respond, the princess reached up and drew Hadding into a fierce kiss. Hadding and Rongnilda returned to Denmark and were wed without delay. Less than a year later, the queen gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl. As Hadding held his children in his arms, he felt his warrior's spirit culled for the first time. But the celebration would not last long. Rongnilda had just laid her children in their crib when her husband entered the bedroom. One look at the grim expression on his face told her that something was wrong. What is it, my love? I just received word that a fleet of a thousand Norwegian ships have made landfall on our shores. Their army is marching this way, led by a man named Oasman. They say he is the son of Svipdag. Svipdag? You mean the man who you killed to become king? The man I killed to avenge my father. Svipdag cut him down on the battlefield. I had to go into exile as a child to escape him. And now Oasman has come to avenge his father. So it would seem. At least now I've got a son to avenge me if I'm defeated. Ouch! You idiot. If you are defeated, your son and daughter will be murdered. Your home will be burnt. Your people enslaved. Is that what you want? Hadding's jaw tightened as he looked down at his sleeping children. It felt like a lifetime had passed since he'd faced Sveepdog. Back then, it had only been his life on the line. Now he had a family. No, an entire kingdom to think of. Rongnilda was right. He could not lose. Send word to all our allies. I will meet Oasman on the battlefield and leave his body to the crows. We will remind these Norwegians what happens to those who threaten our home. Horses pawed the ground. Soldiers chattered anxiously, anything to take their mind off the coming battle. Hadding stood at the front of his army, peering into the dense gray fog that covered the green moorland. The force that had rallied to face Osman was smaller than he had hoped. Hadding's eyes narrowed as he saw the first signs of movement, a wall of spears and shields moving through the fog, drawing slowly nearer. Osman and his army had arrived, and there was something else, something larger towering above them. Look, what is that thing? Hadding heard the men behind him gasp as they saw the enormous head and shoulders of a giant. A thick chain hung from the iron collar around its neck. 
Oas men had captured it and turned it into a beast of war. Hadding turned to face his men and saw the terror in their eyes. He knew that if he didn't find some way to inspire them, they would be torn to pieces by Osman's forces. Danes, countrymen, here before us stands an army of invaders. The same invaders who came to our lands years ago. They slew my father and many of your fathers. Now at last we have our chance to repay them. But they've got a giant. What can we do against that? We can fight. We can ride to meet them on the battlefield and pay them back twice for everything they give us. And should we fall in battle, our spirits will rise again in Valhalla to join the ranks of the Einherjir. For that is our destiny, to ride into battle day after day until Ragnarok comes. We are Danes, we are warriors, and war is all we know. Hadding turned and charged, with his men surging behind him, the armies collided. Once again, Hadding found himself in the familiar fray of battle. He hacked and stabbed, enjoying the exertion, the smell of blood, the taste of sweat and dirt, and the crushing, all-encompassing din. But the battle was quickly going south, the giant plowed through Hadding's men, tossing them high into the air and trampling them beneath its enormous feet. Osman's forces pushed forward, overwhelming Hadding's army. Wait a minute. I know that roar. Hadding turned to see a second giant come charging into the battle. His jaw dropped. It was none other than Von Oftus, the giant who had served as his foster father so many years ago. He had received Hadding's call for aid. They've got another giant! Run! He's not Oasman's giant. He's family. Von Oftus, you got my message. Von Oftus nodded at his adopted son and began tearing apart Oasman's men. Suddenly, Osman's giant smashed into Von Oftus from behind, sending him tumbling into the ground. With a furious roar, Von Oftus pushed himself back to his feet and lunged for his attacker. As the two enormous figures grappled above, Hadding turned his attention back to the battle. He plunged forward into Osman's line, cutting down enemies left and right, Though his arms were already screaming from exhaustion, the Danes rallied behind him, invigorated by Von Oftus's arrival. Inch by imperceptible bloody inch, Hadding felt the tides of battle shift. Just as exhaustion began to overwhelm him, the Norwegians turned and fled. All but one. Hadding spotted a lone figure charging across a barren stretch of battlefield, an axe in each hand. It was Osman. The enemy king had discarded his shield, abandoning his defense for one last chance to slay his father's killer. Hadding gathered the last of his strength and hurled his spear, just as Osman's axes took flight towards him, the weapons soared. 
Osman's axe cleaved into Hadding's calf, sticking in the bone. But rather than cry in pain, Hadding grinned. He watched as his spear tore through Osman's chest, picking him off his horse and pinning him to the ground. The enemy king gasped for air as the light died in his eyes. Hadding heard his men cheer and turned to see Vanoftu stomping in the skull of the enemy giant. The last of the Norwegians dropped their weapons and ran. Hadding had won. Up next, King Hadding's warlord ways take him to the northern tundras of Sweden. Now back to the story. King Hadding sat by the crackling fire, watching as it spat embers into the winter night sky. His beard had become long and gray, his face scarred and wrinkled. Twenty years had passed since his battle with Oasman, and ten years had passed since von Oftus died of old age. The wound to his leg had never properly healed, leaving him with a severe limp. But the injury had done nothing to stem Hadding's thirst for battle. He had waged war from his saddle countless times, but now his strength was failing, and each war was less successful than the last. Then, five years ago, Hadding had lost something even more precious than the use of his leg. He had returned from war to learn that Rongnilda had fallen ill. Hadding had called on the aid of priestesses and sorcerers. He had made sacrifices to Odin and Freya. In the end, none could save Rongnilda. With his teenage son and daughter at his side, Hadding had watched as his wife was lowered into the earth on a narrow rowboat, laden down with gifts from the Danish people. The queen had barely been in the ground a fortnight, before Hadding announced that he was departing for war once more. He set off with his army in tow, determined to drown his grief in blood. Things had not gone as planned. Hadding and his army had battled the Swedes for five long years and had little to show for it. It had been months since they had captured a city, and as a result, the army was now completely out of food. For a few weeks, they managed to survive on foraged mushrooms. When those disappeared, they were forced to eat their horses, and then their dogs. Eventually, they had run out of those, too. Your Highness, I think the meat's ready. Aye, I'll say the blessing. Hadding stood and limped over to the fire and looked down at the charred human leg roasting over the flames. He then turned to face his troops, who were watching hungrily. For this meal, we give thanks not to the gods, but to our fallen comrade. We remember our friend Amun. Amun was yesterday. This is Nordric. We remember our friend Nordric, who died with a sword in his hand and love for his kinsmen in his heart. May his soul fight on for eternity in the halls of Valhalla. As soon as Hadding completed the blessing, the men tore into the meat. The king watched them for a moment before doing the same. Perhaps it was something to do with the meat, but that night, 
Hadding's sleep was plagued by strange dreams. He had been wandering through a dark fog for what felt like hours when he came upon a cloaked figure. He demanded the figure remove their hood and reveal themselves. As you wish, my lord. Rangnilda, my wife, my love, what are you doing here? A question you could ask yourself. Why do you wander so far from your home, my husband? I have no home without you. And what of them? Rongnilda pointed an ebony white finger. Hadding turned to find a massive white-barked tree with gray-green petals towered above him. A huge gray wolf emerged from behind the tree. Hadding stumbled backwards, reaching for his sword. Get back, Rongnilda! What's wrong, my love? Do you not recognize your own son? Hadding looked at his dead wife in confusion, then turned back toward the wolf. As he stared into the beast's eyes, dawning recognition spread across his face. Fruta, my son, is it really you? Hadding reached out and tentatively stroked the wolf's neck. It returned the gesture by rubbing its ears against the side of his leg. Hadding looked up to see a large screech owl watching him from the tree. And you, you're my daughter, Uvio. Oh, how I've missed you both. The owl spread its wings and launched from its branch. Hadding lifted his arm, offering it as a perch, but the owl ignored it diving instead for the king's face. Hadding screamed in pain as the razor-sharp talons tore at him. Ah! Hadding jolted awake, bathed in cold sweat. He was back at his camp, surrounded by his army, many of whom were now staring at him with concerned expressions. Something wrong, your highness? You were screaming. Yes. I fear something may be very wrong indeed. My children are in danger. Wake the men, we're going home. When Hadding and his troops finally arrived home, they were greeted by streets full of cheering Danes. Hadding refused to stop, even for a moment, until he had reached his palace. He's home! Father! Children! Hadding rushed forward to meet and throw his arms around his children. When he finally released them and stepped back, he was astonished to see how much they had grown. Fruda, his golden-haired son, was now a head taller than Hadding, while his daughter, Ulvil, had become the spitting image of Rongnilda. What's wrong, father? Why are you crying? I'm just glad to see you. I was so worried. Why would you worry for our sakes? You were the one away at war. Strange visions have haunted my dreams of late. I feared that some harm had come to you, but it seems they were just dreams after all. Fruta, my boy, when did you become the size of an ox? That's not all that's changed. Uviel got married. Fruta, I wanted to tell him. Married? That's wonderful. When do I get to meet the lucky man? Tonight. There's to be a feast to celebrate all your victories abroad. Well, I can't say there were many victories, but I won't say no to a feast. It's been a long time since I tasted anything that could rightly be called food. That night, Hadding sat at the center table before a packed hall with his children on either side. 
it seemed like nothing could dampen the king's spirits until Fruta made a surprising request. As Hadding listened to his son, his expression darkened. I'm not suggesting that you step down as king. I'm asking only for the chance to lead your next campaign. I'm ready. Do I look so old in your eyes? Do you think I need my son to carry my sword for me? I mean no insult, father, but you've been fighting wars your entire life. You deserve a rest. There is no rest for warriors. If you haven't learned that, you aren't ready to fight. Hadding turned away from his son and reached for his cup, which was being refilled by an attendant. Suddenly, the king saw a glint of light out of the corner of his eye. He glanced up to see the attendant draw a silver dagger from beneath his sleeve. Their eyes met, and the attendant lunged for the king's throat. Hadding raised his arm in defense, and the dagger sliced through his flesh. Father! The assassin prepared to strike again, but Fruta tackled him to the ground. Hadding watched the prince easily wrestle the man into submission. He looked to the stinging wound on his forearm and remembered the owl from his dream. Someone hold this traitor still so I can take his head. One moment, Fruta. This man was paid for his task. If it is justice we seek, he is the only one who can tell us where to aim. Speak, assassin. Who paid you to cut my father's throat? The longer you take to answer, the slower you die. The assassin looked at Hadding with wide, terrified eyes, then raised his arm and pointed at the woman sitting beside the king. Ulvil and her husband leapt to their feet. They made it only a few steps towards the door before the guards overtook them. Fruta watched his struggling sister in disbelief. Ulviel, how could you do this? What choice did I have? Our father refuses to do his duty and die, so that his rule might pass to someone more able. He will outlive us all, and the throne, your birthright, will pass you by. Perhaps you did not have the courage to claim it, but my husband and I do. You and your husband are traitors! Silence! The bickering siblings looked up at their father. The king seemed lost in thought, a million miles away. At last, he turned to the guards. Lock my daughter and her husband in the dungeons with their assassin. Prepare the gallows. The next morning, the entire city gathered in the main square to witness the king's justice. A wooden platform had been erected at the center of the square, with a single noose hanging from a scaffold. Hadding slowly climbed the stairs, favoring his bad leg. When he reached the top, he turned and looked down at his children. Ulvil stood near the base of the platform, handcuffed along with her husband and assassin, and guarded by Fruta. Only one noose? Is it just for me, or do you intend to hang us one at a time? That justice will be your brother's to deliver. What are you talking about, father? I have thought long on your sister's words. I never took pleasure in ruling, but I love my people. I will not waste away becoming a crippled leg for them to drag along beneath them. Today, my reign passes to you. Father, you can't. I know you must be tired, but remember what you told me, that there is no rest for warriors. My son, you do not understand. 
I do not go to my rest, but to the next battle, the last battle, that stretches on into eternity until the end of all things. Hadding slipped the noose around his neck, he looked out at the faces of the Danes, watching him with expressions of disbelief. He loved them and would have gladly served them forever, but he was not the king they needed now. He saw the face of his son, taut with anguish. Fruda would make a good king, better than Hadding had ever been. He saw the face of his daughter, Ulvil, white with shock. He hoped Fruda would show her mercy, though she did not deserve it. Hadding felt the familiar stiffness in his leg and thought how wonderful it would be to fight with his old strength again. He stepped off the edge of the platform. The sound of the king's neck breaking echoed over the silent crowds. Fruda stared in shock at his father's limp body. Hadding was dead. Hadding and the other legendary kings of Denmark exist somewhere between history and legend. While there may have once been a King Hadding, or Hottingus, as he is sometimes known, it's difficult to say which, if any, of the events attributed to him are based on fact. Nevertheless, the story of King Hadding offers a rare insight into the perspective of the early Scandinavian people, particularly into their attitudes on violence, warfare, and death. We see Hadding pursue vengeance against the man who defeated his father, and then defend his country against his former enemy's son. This cycle of revenge evokes the constant change of power that occurred as the various tribes fought for supremacy, conquering one another's territory briefly, only to be defeated in turn a few decades later. For the Danes, the story of King Hadding may have served as a template for how to face the unpredictability of life. Unlike Odin and the Aesir who know that their destinies lead to Ragnarok, Hadding has no idea what each day may bring, or which battle may be his last. Despite this, he charges ahead blindly, welcoming whatever bloody fate may come. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children. And every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. You can find Tales, more episodes of Mythology, and all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Several of you have asked how to help Mythology. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. 
Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Mythology is written by Andrew Kelleher. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Harris Markson, Heston Mosher, Kathleen Nielsen, Sammy Nye, and Brett Schneider. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>